And now we are recording again, yes? Muchly does it please me to record the podcast. Calling, calling Bob Schneider. Through the computer. I'm just heading back into the studio. I knew you wouldn't be ready. I fucking knew it. Uh, well, because I had longer to walk from the coffee pot. Yeah. Plus, I had to just tell, I had to tell Laura that uh, that Invisible Life was going to be her favorite movie she's ever seen because it's about two sisters. Hmm. Okay. She went and saw Frozen Two, and then decided that she had to leave me after Frozen Two. What are you talking about? I was like, she went and saw Frozen 2, and I guess in Frozen 2... Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I saw it. I guess in Frozen 2, Elsa fucking takes off or some bullshit. Uh, I honestly can't remember what happens. Nothing that intense happens. It's a fucking cartoon for kids. She's getting her, her marriage advice from a fucking kid's cartoon. Come on. Basically, yeah. She's like, oh, I, I've got I've to go off on my own now and, and start a new life. I'm like... Bitch, was that chick married with fucking children? No, she wasn't. She was an ice princess in a Disney movie. But really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. It's like the fucking... It's like Wheel... It's like Wheel of Fortune. And there's like... It's not, you know, like some of them are like $400 and some are $500, some are jackpot, but then some are bankrupt. Yeah, totally. And we hit that bankrupt one because we spin the wheel all the time. We don't spin it once a week. We're spending it every few minutes. Wow. You need, I don't know, man, you need some more stability. You need more stability than that. I don't know. I think if I had more stability, I would get bored. One thing that's not happening here, it ain't boring. I know, but there's got to be a way for you to not be bored and yet have your spouse assure you that they love you and that though it's tough, they made a commitment to you and that they're fighting for that. That's really spiritually important in a relationship. And I, I didn't have it for a long time either, but I, I, basically, I basically begged and pleaded with my wife in many different ways that I was like, listen, you have got to figure out how to meet me where where my needs are and i'm trying to figure out where yours are too and some of the things she was doing absolutely had to change had to go some of them i had to just become more malleable but i think what i think what she was trying to get me into was this idea that what i was what i needed was unreasonable and impossible and i had to just kind of find the balance there where i was like no me asking to know that you know me asking for affection from you is reasonable, and you need to figure out what the problem is on your end with that. Yeah. Well, I do get a lot of that. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's not all <laughs> fucking hot cups of piss. Good. <laughs> thrown at me. That's great. <laughs> hot, cup of, hot cup of cat piss. Every once in a while, it's like, oh, it's a bowl of chips. It's a bowl of chips. Thanks, honey. This is a delicious bowl of chips. 
Thank you very much. Oh, I thought it was going to be a bowl of chips. Turned out it was a hot hot bag of piss. Oh, look, there's chocolate ice cream under the chips. Oh, wait, no, that's doo-doo. <laughs> Whoopee. I don't like doo-doo. I don't like to eat doo-doo, honey, please. Uh, do we have emails this week? We have emails every week, Bob. Every week, right. wonderful people out in I'm okay, you're okay land. Write us wonderful emails. Uh, when are when are people going to start asking us for advice? That's what I want to know. Uh, I have no advice to offer any of these people. I do. Christy Newberry writes and says, Can y'all stop reading emails from dudes? They all sound the same and meh. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> y'all are awesome, though. Unless you're answering the same dudes, maybe not the same actual dude, but instead a bunch of dudes with shockingly similar lives. Like they would all be bros, if you will, email. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, Christy, let me assure you something, my friend. Bob and I love hearing from the ladies. We love it. I'd rather talk to the ladies, personally. But uh, the ladies don't write in as much. So I'm hoping that uh, reading this email will encourage all of our female fans to write in and, and uh, ask us whatever they want. I, Bob apparently is chomping at the old bit to give some goddamn advice out. Especially to the ladies. Now, here's something that I found pretty funny, Bob. This guy, Doug McLeod, writes in. He's written in a couple of times, and he keeps saying, Please, here's, I'm going to read two emails. They're both short, though. This is his second or third email like this, okay? So the, the subject is volume. Hey, guys, please, please, pretty please boost your volume. I want to hear you like I hear Marin and Conan and all my other podcasts. Please turn it up. I'm not kidding. Your great show is much lower volume than every other one I listen to. Same equipment and settings. Thanks. Love the conversations. Love your music. Mostly love how you love your children and families. Cheers. Now, he sent that email a couple times like asking us, please turn it up. I agree. The, the volume is too low. And I'm, I'm editing them. And I don't know how to fix it. But I appreciate the uh, comment. I'm going to figure it out because it does need to be louder. Because when I put it on, I have to like crank it. Okay. My car. Okay. Well, here's his latest email. Hey guys, thanks so much for pumping up the volume. I can hear you. <laughs> Zip. And we didn't change shit. <laughs> so I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with this, Bob. I don't know. We didn't change anything. I don't know. I guess what you have to do. I guess what we have to start doing is once we. Sorry for the technical talk, you out there. I'm okay, listeners. We love you guys. We have to just take the the master bounce and then put that back into a session and then just boost it. Uh, Bill V, who I recognize from Metal Up Your Podcast, writes in and says, Dear Bob and Clint, does the Billboard 200 hold any real value like it did back in the day? Bands like Wilco and Ryan Adams never had chart hits and but fill up theaters. As musicians, what do you deem as success in the music industry nowadays? I goddamn love the randomness of this podcast. Keep it up. Sorry, Bob, for the fucking long-ass question. Please forgive me, almighty Bob. Sincerely, Bill. I don't even know what the Billboard 200 is, so I'll let you answer that one. It's like, so, well, the Billboard 200 is an aggregate of every genre. So, uh, you know, something that charts on the Billboard could be Metallica right next to Beyonce, right next to Garth Brooks. So it's 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 a, a big chart to to be on because it, you know, like the <clears throat> the Hot 100 alternative, whatever, a band like Fastball is going to rise up that chart, but maybe not chart on the Billboard 200. Does that make sense? So being on the Billboard 200 is a big deal. Dark Side of the Moon has been on the Billboard 200 for like, whatever, 40 years, etc. Um, So whatever. I don't know as much about that as maybe other folks. But what what does it mean to you? What, is, what does it mean for an artist to be successful nowadays to you? Uh, I think if you're not 
having to do anything besides whatever your art is or whatever your, you know, passion is, that's your success. So if you're a musician and you're just making music and you're able to support yourself somehow, that's success. Now, you know, you can look at Bob Dylan and go, well, I'm not as successful as Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen, so I'm not as much of a success as those guys. Or you could look at somebody who is less. I mean, it's all perspective, but I think, like, I feel as far as my life is concerned, I can't imagine my life being any better than it is. My biggest fear is that I won't be able to keep living a life like I'm living. Cause I get to write whatever I want to write play for people who seem to appreciate me writing whatever I want to write support me by coming to show after show. And I don't have to do any of the bullshit, which is interviews and, talk about the music and make up some ridiculous crap. Like I don't have to do any of it. All I have to do is just show up and play my shows for people who dig what I do. So I love my life. Now, would I like to be in the rock and roll hall of fame? Hell yeah. Is that going to happen? Probably not. Well, yeah. I mean, people need to understand that, that it's like sports. I mean, the chances of that are so insane. And even the chances of being able to do what you and I do are insane. And I've had to make similar peace in my life. Like, well, Radiohead never called. And uh, so I'm not in Radiohead as I trudge into my 40s. Um, but what I do get to do is not have a normal job. And I get to make art and play guitar <clears throat> and work with great, talented artists and build a body of work that I'm truly proud of. And I get paid to do it. And I'm able to feed my baby doing it. So that's where I fall on that too. But let me let me ask you something real quick though. Okay. Because here's the here's the real deal. Even after I said what I just said, like I'll never be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as I'm saying it, part of me's like, No, you could be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Bobby. You could be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I is there part of you that's like, oh, just keep Keep doing good work, Clint, and maybe Radiohead will call. Um, I yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I'm doing some of the best work I've ever done, and um, you know, I of course, I mean, dude, in, in in the industry that I'm in, and kind of the way that I'm positioned, see, in your world, you are the king. You're King Poncho. You're the king of your world. You write your shit. So your one goal is to just get as many people turned on to what you're doing because your music's so incredible. You're such an incredible artist. From from where I sit with you, it's just a matter of people getting turned on to it. For what for me, it's like I'm a songwriter, I'm a guitar player, I'm doing podcasts, um, I can play keys, I can play bass. So I've I've got my hand in a lot of pies. And so for me it's like, well, uh, you know, what's going to happen? Like um, a year and a half ago, I got the Kenny Chesney audition. It didn't pan out for lots of different reasons, but that could happen again tomorrow. Like in Nashville, your life can change in a day. I remember when our friend Harmony did get the Kenny Chesney gig, and she was sort of my way into the Kenny camp. Is like I saw Harmony. Harmony moved from Austin to Nashville to pursue music here, and I remember seeing her at the gym uh, about 15 months after she'd come to town, and she was discouraged. She wasn't able to find a gig. She came here for a gig. She lost the gig. 
and she was about to move back to Austin. And I remember telling her, like, dude, you got to hang out here a little longer. You're, you're fucking awesome. You can sing. You can play great. And I think it was like two days later, she got the Kenny Chesney gig, which changed her life. That kind of shit's possible here. And so also with my publishing company, I don't know where all these fucking songs I'm writing are going. I don't know who's going to hear them. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm holding on to all that. I'm still excited about what I'm doing, and I, I have hope for the future. Radiohead, however, is out. <laughs> they're, they're, they're never calling me. So I have let that dream die. But, but, the, but other dreams are still alive, for sure. Here's the thing that, that people like you and me have. This idea that we are really, really good at what we do. It's the thing that allows us to continue even when everybody's like, yeah, we don't want to work with you. Right. We don't care what you do. Right. But there's some part of you that says, oh, I'm really good at this. And so you just keep doing it. And I think... To six, I think to do any artistic endeavor, you have to have that. And if you don't have that, the first obstacle you come to, you're going to quit, and that's going to be the end of it. You're absolutely right. You have this thing that's that you can't deny it. You're going to do it no matter what, and you want to be the best at it. You're driven, and you believe in yourself. I definitely had to work for that. I, I never... When I was 13, for example, and started playing guitar... I started playing guitar because my best friend at the time, who was about six months older than me, I looked up to him, he started playing guitar. And he basically just went into guitar world and he quit hanging out with me. So I got a guitar just so that we could keep being buddies. And he was one of these guys who could read tablature or listen to a Joe Satriani song and play it beautifully. And it would sound exactly like that. I would look at tablature and get discouraged and play a little bastardized version of it that was sloppier and shittier. And the point I'm trying to make is he had this natural thing where he was just, he took to it and he was great at it. I, for, for where I've arrived at being able to write, produce, play guitar, play keys, play bass, I've had to just work so hard to get there. And I wonder if for you, it was always for you an innate sense of like, well, I'm talented. I have a unique perspective. I'm a good songwriter and I'm going to put all my energy in it. Cause you do it so effortlessly with art too. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chisel this out of stone, and I'm going to do this pencil drawing, and I'm going to make this collage. And I know you went to art school and stuff, but it seems like you have more of a like innate belief in yourself, whereas I had to arrive at it and then trust the work I had put in. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I know where I got it from. I got it from my mom and maybe my dad as well, but for sure from my mom. Like when I was four, five, six... My parents just told me, wow, you're amazing. You're an amazing artist. And my mom made me think that I was like the most talented singer of all time when I was four or five. And that's when you, that's when you create your worldview. So that's what the world is. So in the world, I'm the greatest at this. And like, so when I was like a teenager and I started writing songs, they were horrible but I would listen to them and I'd go, wow, these are pretty good because I'm pretty, I mean, they're not polished. They're a little rough around the edges. Dude, I listen to that shit now. It is so terrible. And if I listen to anything that I've done over the last 30 years, like most of it's so bad. And it's just only through tenacity and this idea that I'm good, that I've kept at it. And because I've done it over and over and over and over again, I've eventually learned how to do it 
better and better job of it. And now I've cobbled together a hundred really good songs. Like I go toe to toe with fucking Paul Simon. And now Paul Simon's going to play the boxer and I'm going to be like, okay, that's, I can't beat that. I got change in your mind and I'll play that. And he'll be like, that's a pretty good song. And then he'll play fucking, what's the one about American? The American. Uh, American tune. American fucking tune. And I'll be like, I can't beat that bitch. But I got big blue scene and be like, yeah, that's all right. And then he'll play fucking bridge over triple water. I'll be like, you motherfucker. And then for the first 20 songs, he's going to kick my ass. But then he's going to be pulling out some. I mean, he'll be pulling like slip sliding away. I'll be like, I can't beat that. He'll even be pulling out 50 ways to leave your lover. And I'll be like, well, we're getting close to where I'm at. But eventually he'll be pulling out some rhythm of the saints. And I'll be like, hey, bitch, how about how about this song? And then at some point. I'm going to have some songs that are going to start beating his because I've got a lot of songs. It's pretty wild to me that Rhythm of the Saints is the record after Graceland, and it's one of my least favorite. Graceland's one of the greatest records ever made. It's the same band, same kind of vibe, and it's just not great. The songs aren't there. Dude, check out the record before Graceland. What's that? I think it's uh, One Trick Pony. Oh, I like One Trick Pony. It's got a couple good songs. But it's got some real turds. I think One Trick Pony was a soundtrack, right? That's a se- yeah. uh, that's a soundtrack album. Eh, you can't you can't really judge that. Was it a movie that he starred in? A feature film written by and starring Paul Simon. What's the track listing here? Uh, anyway, I don't want to. Uh, what I wanted to say is like this perspective that you're talking about. Well, first of all, comparing comparing yourself to Paul Simon is just it doesn't even work. It doesn't even matter. You're an artist. He's an artist. He's written songs. You got songs. I hate that we're so programmed to like do it that way. Like, well, I mean, I'm not Dylan, but it's like, fuck, take all that off the table. I mean, he thought the same thing. Well, I'm not Woody Guthrie. Um, but what I find so refreshing about the ego that you're talking about, because what, what happens in American culture sometimes, especially in like more religious Southern culture, is this dissolution of the ego. Hearing you talk like that, it'd be like, he's all full of himself, where it's like, no, dude, I, you have to believe in yourself to survive this industry. Plus, <clears throat> this industry is filled with what's called uh, fraud syndrome, where you'd be, you guys out there would be so shocked at the people who are big, famous celebrities, who have sold millions of records, who honestly believe that they are imposters and that they're going to be found out any minute, who don't believe they're talented, who don't believe they've written anything good, who just think that they're getting away with it. Like I, I've I've been privy to this, and it's completely insane. I think most I think most of the ones that are actually good feel that way. I don't know, man. You don't feel that way, do you? Do you feel like a fraud, dude? I've never made it. I think if 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 I was going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and people were actually comparing me to Paul, Simon, it's one thing to compare myself to Paul Simon on this podcast. It's another thing. To be actually compared to Paul Simon, like by the population of the world, then I'd be like, well, no way. I, I'm not going to compare it to any of these motherfuckers. <laughs> it does remind me of this Ace Frehley quote, the guitarist for Kiss. He said, uh, if, I had known, <laughs> if I had known I was going to influence so many great guitar players, I would have practiced a little more. I always thought that was a great quote. 
because he's credited all the time with like you know i mean so many people he's a hendrix in that regard where so many people picked up a guitar because of ace fraley and people like uh you know and he's like i'm not that good <laughs> you know it's pretty funny dude if i just i mean i listened to kiss when i was a kid and that had some influence on me but if i had a seen kiss as a teenager it would have directly influenced my decisions going forward in the music industry 100 percent. well i can i can i can tell you from i mean it was my first concert and i was 13 and it was like being hit by lightning dude i mean it 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 could it completely changed my life for sure that is not an overstatement it completely shocked me and scared me and thrilled me and changed my whole fucking life and to this day i'm a 36 year old man in a studio making music for a living and there's kiss shit all around me right now i've kissed dolls on my gear over here and it was a big deal we how old were you when you first saw kiss you were already you were already grown right I didn't see Kiss until like seven or eight years ago. Wow. How did you go that long without seeing Kiss? I just never never got a chance to see him. Uh, oh, we should say, we we have plans to see Tool together in January. Are, are you going to come to that show? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have to wait and get my itinerary for January, which I don't have yet. But... January is usually really slow. I'm super psyched about that show. You've never seen him, right? Never seen him. I saw him a few months ago, and I'm telling you, man, it's it is it is a powerful experience. It's powerful. I can't wait. And this new record is so fucking awesome, dude. But I think they're only going to play a couple of songs from that. They'll probably play Invincible and Numa. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see you see Tool. I have a feeling I'm going to get bored pretty quickly. No, ooh, I I would be really surprised. I'd be really surprised if you got bored. Why do you think you're going to get bored? I don't know. The visuals at their shows are mind blowing. All right, I, I'm excited. You're all right. I'm getting more excited. What? What do you? I mean, why do you think you would get bored? I don't understand. I just I I've never like sat down and listened to more than like I think the maximum amount of Tool I've listened to at one time is maybe two Tool songs, which is about forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, their songs are long. Well, I mean, I can tell you this: they the the production value is really crazy, and th- um, the same trick doesn't happen twice. So as the show evolves, all this new visual information is happening. They have this like screen that comes down in front of them that interacts with lights and fog that creates all this trippy shit. There's all sorts of crazy info on the screens behind them. Spoiler alert, dude! Let me let me let me. I'll it, I'm gonna be there. Hopefully you'll be there with me, and and we'll see. I like having low expectations going into a show. Like I, dude, the first time I saw Kiss, I was only going to stay for one song. I was like, well, I got free tickets. I just talked to Doc. I just talked to the band backstage in makeup. Mm-hmm. Gene Simmons came into the room and he was just kept saying Bob Schneider over and over with his full demon makeup on. Why did he keep saying Bob Schneider? I don't know. He was fucking with me. And he was in character. He was already in character. Oh, okay. He's the demon. So he's just like going, Bob Schneider, Bob Schneider. And dude, every time he said it, it was like it, w- it was like somebody stroking my balls. It felt good to hear my name come out of his mouth. How are you responding to him saying Bob Schneider menacingly? Smiling like that? from ear to ear. <laughs> like the Cheshire chess cat. <laughs> Yeah, man, I wouldn't have been hating that either, dude. Clint Wells, Clint Wells. I'm like, what was that, Gene? 
Clint Wells. Come again? Sorry, Gene. Say that one more time. I was very happy. What did old Paul Stanley say to you? He didn't say a goddamn thing. Hi, Bob. It's me, Paul Stanley. No, they they were just walking. They were walking past us in the hallway, and Doc was like, "Hey, Gene, remember Bob Schneider?" And he's like, "Bob Schneider, Bob <laughs> Schneider." And they kept walking because they were going to the photo shoot. And then he he scattled he skedaddled out and then went to the photo shoot. And then I took a photo with him with the whole band, and then went out to my seats. And I was like, ah. I'll just watch, I'll watch a song that I can say I've seen Kiss. But as I was sitting there, I was like, man, I bet you this is going to be better than I thought or better than I think. Was there like an excitement in the, in the air? Like, were you kind of catching it from the Kiss fans around you and shit? No, but I just, I got out there and they had the big, uh, there was a big curtain in front that said Kiss. Mm-hmm. You know, it started like, and I'd heard Kiss Alive, you know. You asked for it. You got it. The yeah. greatest. And then as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, shit. You wanted the best. You got the best. The hottest band in the land, Kiss. Yeah. And then what did they open? What did they open with? Deuce? I don't know what they opened with, but dude, that curtain came down and they were on stage and it was like looking at the Beatles. Yeah. It was like looking at uh, the Avengers or Super Friends. Larger than life, for sure. Larger than life. And it's something that's in my DNA. Like, I looked at those albums for hours when I was a kid. And now it was, I was seeing it. It was like seeing Paul McCartney. It was like seeing James Brown. It was, it was, I was like, oh my God, this is happening. And then I just, you know, it was an hour. The show wasn't long. It was an hour. I knew every, I knew every word of every song they played. And it was spectacular. And I was like, this is amazing. Hmm. Like, they have such great songs. Mm -hmm. They look cool. They have their whole show. You know, the drums go upside down. Gene Simmons goes up in the air, spits blood, all of that shit. It's an amazing show. It's great. Confetti at the end. Oh, the confetti. At the end, they, at the end, they dropped, I don't know, a gallon of shredded paper. On all of us. Can you believe that? Who's that guy? I don't know. That's like a kid. And then they dropped a bunch of confetti, and it was incredible. And I stayed up past midnight. It's like a kid from the 20s who's selling <laughs> Cracker Jacks on the corner. Who's got no pla- he's got no place to live, and he's not a kid. He's like 40. Hey, get your Cracker Jacks, see? Yeah, I got no place to live, see? I'm 45, see? I'm, I'm not a kid. I'm not a kid anymore, see? Haven't been for a long time. Yeah, take me out to the ball game. Cracker Jack, see? Yeah. Um, Scott Wilmer writes in, Hey guys, thanks so much for consistently putting out a great show, no matter where you are and what you're doing. I'm sure there are plenty of days when it's one more thing on a long list of family and work responsibilities. We appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. He says, Every year I make it a practice to carefully construct a list of my favorite albums of the year. I'd be interested to hear yours. And then he, he mentioned some of his, Billie Eilish's record, which, of course, is going to just win a shitload of Grammys. Taylor Swift's new record, which is good. Leonard Cohen, Buddy and Julie Miller, Bon Iver, Lana Del Rey, The High Women, Pedro the Lion, Vampire Weekend, J.S. Ondera. Do you have any new records this year that would make a top 10 for you? I like that Billie Eilish record. Um, it's a mas- masterpiece. I think one of my favorite singles from the year is that Post Malone Circle song. Love it. Love Hollywood's Bleeding. God damn it, he's so good. He's so good. Um, 
That's and I I really like that Lana Del Rey record. Me too. And we we've talked before about the Taylor record too. The Taylor record's pretty good, especially that title track, Lover. I like the Calm Down song right. a lot. Right. That fucking Billie Eilish "I Love You" song is so oh my fucking god. Good. That's what I try to tell people. People that just saw like. Um, uh, uh, bad guy and stuff. I'm like, man, the delicate stuff on that record, like I love you and and please before you go or whatever, the really piano heavy, like her brother stuff, the Phineas stuff, it's just amazing. Yeah, lyrically and I don't know how they get that vocal, that really up in your face, dry vocal thing. I don't know how they do that, dude. Max Frost was telling me that it's her vocals that make it special. Because if you listen to his solo stuff, it doesn't pack the punch. Yeah, I got. I bought. He just he just put out a record that I got based on how much I love his production on the Billy Ice record, and it's true. It's it's not the magic isn't there. There's something about her vocals, and I have to say, like the way she. All the stuff that she does, her little things like it's a little annoying but i mean she's like what 17 18 fuck it so i mean if i think of like the fact that she's making this music and like i I, i'm not crazy about it but i'm fine with it because she's young but the music it's is crazy good think about um think about the kind of record she's gonna be making in 10 years you know it's exciting uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. It is interesting to see what happens. I mean, Lana Del Rey, yeah. she's made amazing records her entire career. Yep. So Absolutely. People do it. Um, and then some people don't. Some people make great records and then never make good records again. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. We've got one more email here before we wrap things up on this ep which I just put the abrev on episode to save time. Uh, John Butler says, Hi, Clinton Bob. Started binging I'm okay, you're okay during my commute, but now I have to wait an entire week for a new episode. Not sure I can cope. Quick couple of things. Thank you for the Brawl and Cell Block 99 recommend. Amazing. I'm going to watch Concrete and Bone Tomahawk next. Totally unrelated. Have you seen Letterkenny? It's my absolute favorite find, even though it's been out a while. On Hulu, a quick watch just to get a taste of it. Keep up the awesomeness and take care. I've never seen Letterkenny. I don't never heard of it. Let me look this up. I have Hulu. I also have Hulu. Letterkenny on Hulu. Oh, watch. It's a show. It's a TV series. Seven seasons. A Canadian television sitcom created by Jared Kiso. Let's see. The series began as a YouTube web series titled Letterkenny Problems. Blah, blah, blah. What, what's the plot here? What's the plot? Residents of Letterkenny belong to one of three groups, the Hicks, the Skids, and the Hockey Players. They're constantly feuding with each other over seeing trivial matters that often end with someone getting their ass whooped. <laughs> that sounds like my kind of show. Here's what I can't stand. I can't stand these damn city-slicking motherfuckers coming in here with their highfalutin' ideas, trying to spread that bullshit all around. I'm going to kick their ass, boy. For hell's bells, I, I, I love that. I don't mean to tell us out of school, but uh, I heard Larry Kenny pretty good. Yeah, I watched Larry Kenny. Season 1 through 7, I seen it. 
I told her, I can't okay with Lou. How many, how many of them shows you seen then? Yeah, well, I just keep around being here and there. I don't mean to be tattered that. I work a lot hard, and then sometimes I get down and watch my stories. And I watch season one through seven sometimes. And then sometimes I skip a few episodes, but it's not continuity. If you need to see it when you come back on again. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, 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 do, I do need to. I, I do have some problems with my. Uh, I've been having some problems with my toilet lately. Uh oh. You got any recommendations? Well, yes, I do. There's uh, uh, <clears throat> Gaffney Plumbing. Well, they'll fix the pipes up this night. Pipes are humming called Gaffney Plumbing. And they'll come right out of there to fix the pipes. Dude, I'll never not laugh at that. <laughs> I'll never not laugh at Gaffney Plumbing. Yeah. Do it, do it, do it three more times. The slogan or just be old man Gaffney? Old man Gaffney and then do the do the thing. The joke is you say Gaffney, you say the name of it and then you say the, the motto, but it changes every time. That's what's funny. And let's hear it. Yeah, his 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 vernacular and his vocal delivery just deteriorate with age. Well, I was, hell, I'm well beyond retirement days, but I can't just leave myself to leave my business to my dumbass son-in-law, who I can't stand to hope dies in a car crash tomorrow. But uh, anyways, uh, I love fixing pipes, and I love this plumbing, and uh, I, hell, I've had this business for about uh, 76 years. And, uh, you know, I remember the day I came up with the song, and, and I remember the first time I heard it on the radio. Pops are dumb, and call Kathy Tully. And <laughs> what is it again? Yeah, you've heard it. Well, it's a household name down here, but uh, the pops are a hum and they're called Gaffney Rolling. <laughs> what is it? I couldn't understand. What was it? If your pipes are. If your pipes are humming, called Gaffney Rolling. <laughs> Hold on, let me try that again, Bob. Hold on one second. Well, if your pops are a humming, called Gaffney Salting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if nice and looking, call Salmon's Duggan. <laughs> Keep going. I like it when it gets real. Hold on now. I'll, I'll get off this. Hold the, on a Off second. the track. Well, if the towns are coming, that shuttle is falling. Well, as the town's called the title and stir back to the phone thing. <laughs> oh my god. That is I love that. Well, you can write in to the show, bobandclint at gmail.com. Leave us a positive review. Go check out the Song Club, Bob's other podcast, and of course my other podcast about the greatest metal band of all time, the Mighty Metallica. And with that, we're gonna say uh, Merry Christmas, by the way. Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Peace. <sighs> Peace. Peace.